Welcome to Voices. My name is Ian Hunter, and I talk to people. Joining me today is Jeremy Lewisong. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, he's the pastor and founder of Pioneer Church Memphis. Today we talk about the challenges of being a man of God, what it means to be a Christian in the modern world, and a host of other encouraging and insightful topics. Stick around. Testing. One, two, four, three, seven. I think I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. coffee sir <laughs> it's fantastic this room is picking up every single drink it's nice four hundred dollar mic <laughs> they didn't have the first they didn't have the number one thing you wanted down there so it's all right back up how you doing man i'm good thank you for being here thanks for having me i appreciate it, it. is a blessing <laughs> you're a blessing to sit down with jeremy lewis on originally from new york um, I know I've asked you this question before, but is it always oh, hilarious to watch Memphians freak out over the weather, <laughs> so-called weather, <laughs> right? And right. ice, right? And snow. I know. And watch. I just picture you sitting in there, just laughing, looking up at yourself, like. <laughs> well, your kids aren't in school yet, right? No, they're not. But if they were, schools be out. Really, it's like in really driving it is just taking your time. That's what I tell everyone: just take your time drive slow yeah me too i'm always out driving so do the uber thing and this doesn't phase me at this point people like at home freaking out i'm like let's go out and do stuff they're like man i I just uber makes good money when it snows though huh dude they they kind of jack it up yeah so i'm out there um i mean i'm not out there like risking my life because i'm making a little bit more i just i feel comfortable driving in it so you're from new york It's, it's home for me coincidentally um I met you at random in a diner one yeah. day. I think everybody that knows you in Memphis has just somehow mysteriously crossed your path. And uh, and then I found out soon thereafter that we went to the same church in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, the tab, Brooklyn Tabernacle. Yeah, shout out. I think you were, were you there? When did you come here? 2012? No, I got here in 2010. Okay. So we were probably in the same building together. Probably. Um, I remember when I first discovered it, I had just moved to Brooklyn. And I was just taking a bus in that downtown Brooklyn area, and all yep. these people were like lined up. I was like, "What are they doing at this big old looking building?" And I went in. I think it was literally the Tuesday night worship service yeah, where they the get Tuesday down prayer meeting. Yeah, prayer meeting. Yeah, and uh, that was my introduction. It's very he, regal in there, huh? It is. And then they told they they talked about the how they acquired the building and how they started with nobody and how it was like very thin margins they almost closed so i guess you could relate to that with the church that you came and founded in memphis here pioneer yeah which is um if i might be so bold i would say it's the best church in (laughs) i mean just on all fronts uh, it's Mm non-denominational which i think really works especially in the modern world and um it has to be the most diverse (laughs) (laughs) you know people say that there's a lady who came in. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying it's just to throw that word around. It, it it really does feel that way. Yeah. A lady came in and she's like, your website said you guys are diverse, but man, you guys are diverse. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the, the non-denominational thing, I think, works on a, on a level that's just, it makes sense that everybody should do that. I mean, because yeah. you just get into so many things um, in traditionalism and I mean, you know the history and the, the jargon and all the roots of it, but mm-hmm. um, I, think, I, th- I think stripping that away and just focusing purely on the worship and the word is people respond to that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Absolutely. And then you met a Memphis girl. Is that what happened? I did. I was down <laughs> here. I uh, met, a, met my wife, Tasha, and I remember she was leading worship and I so boldly was just like in the back. And I just remember pointing at her. I was pointing at her to a friend. I'm like, I'm going to marry that girl. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear this part. Yeah. Yeah. We were at church. Within seconds of seeing her? Within like, I met her for a little bit. And then um, she was like 
doing a they were like rehearsing for worship and i met her for a little bit and i was like oh, i like her and then my friends came down to visit in october and i just pointed at her and i told her i was like i'm gonna marry that girl dang that's a swag right there <laughs> she wasn't dating anybody at the time she, well she had gotten out of a pretty bad relationship and so at that point she was just like yeah i don't want to date anybody yep and then you know god was like <laughs> good one yeah I, I wish he would be that clear with me on my my situations <laughs> but it's never it never seems to be straightforward you know the inspiration is there you like know it when you see it and it's like good lord but and it's like okay well other things are happening and, but that's cool man that's the most romantic thing i've ever heard in my life so. oh that's wonderful um three children later three kids later <laughs> yeah three all girls girl dad through and through couldn't help myself girl dad through and through well that's that's beautiful i'm honored to have met you and be a part of that um do you what you're doing there i do remember when i met you do you remember i do we're at the now it's a club clover right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was a third in court i was working in there and you were sitting there reading the good book that's right i think that was my first words to you and then you said <laughs> i mean i just asked we chit-chatted and you said i just said yes to god and then you know chain reaction yeah that kind of thing however you ended up with you didn't start work you, so the church is inside visible mm-hmm. you didn't start working there until after you formed the church so or were you always on staff no we started the church first and then in dr. your living room yeah in my living room with eight people and then dr ken stortz um re- reached out well we reached out to him and then he just kind of opened a way for us to be there they needed they were looking for a church which was surprising they wanted a church to rent it out it was a serendipitous thing they were uh-huh. looking for a church we were looking to plant a church downtown and it would just kind of like yep lined up perfectly so yeah and so we've been there ever since and when i met you i had just it was like 2019 right man it, it seems anything uh i think it was yeah. anything 2019 bc they say before COVID. yeah (laughs) it seems like that chunk of years in our lives were just something happened time it warped time so 2019 at least to me seems like a long time ago yeah but i think so yeah i think it was 2019 yeah because i just i remember meeting you and then i I saw you again at a coffee shop and so um yeah just kind of invited you it's a good thing man good times um so it's it's still on it's you're doing your thing yeah it's, it's growing and you have two services now mm-hmm. and um three five years you've been there we will be this year we'll make our sixth year there okay so we launched in 2017 and then um this year's our sixth year and so we're just kind of moving yep um so you came did you have a, a dramatic life turnaround like a lot of people do a lot of christians do nah and honestly or was like, it just a, a surrender and said okay that kind of thing yeah i didn't have a dramatic turnaround um i had grown up in the church at bt and but i i kind of lived a double life you know and so yeah. i was one way in church on sundays and I was a whole other person in school. And so I remember there's two events that really like triggered me to start taking this Jesus thing really seriously. And one of them was one day I was doing something. I was doing something or saying something. And one of my classmates were like, I said something crass or uh, whatever. And one of my classmates goes, man, he was laughing at the joke, but he's like, I thought you were a Christian. And like, that was like a dagger to the heart. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's making him question, you know? And then the second event where I really kind of, I took this faith thing seriously with Jesus was, um, I was in college and I remember stepping on the college campus for like the first time. And I remember standing there and the Lord just kind of asking me like, who do you want to be? Who do you Mm want to be? Yeah. And to most people, that's not a deep question, but to me, I was just like, it's like an existential like who do i want to be and so it was like do i want to be the jeremy who i was in high school who was not serious about his walk and just kind of like living his own life doing his own thing and then doing the cultural christianity and going to church but not really living like christ or do i want to live for christ 
Yeah. And so I remember that day and I was like, all right, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I want to live for you. I want to represent you. And then from that day, I did. I started doing things that would hold me accountable. Yeah. I got involved in the Christian club on my college campus. And I remember like meeting all them and whatever. And then like they almost became my accountability on campus. Like I wasn't going to go to a wild party or do well, something crazy. Yeah. That's the thing to make a commitment. I think most people make the commitment young, mm-hmm. you know, or their babies that might get baptized and then later they'll, they'll make the officially mentally, yeah. but to be young and to be in the, the uh, hurricane of teen and early twenties emotions and all the things that you're desiring. And I would reckon, especially for a guy. And then you're just trying to live good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and that's tough, man. And, I thank God that I survived a lot of stuff in my teens and 20s that I, a lot of things I could have gotten in that I didn't. And I wasn't, I was Christian, but I wasn't walking, like you said, but something deep down was just the goodness was always there. And I always wanted to honor that. Um, So that's why I think it's so special to see people who are young to do that um, and, 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 and keep that, that goodness alive. And a lot of people don't have to live to be, 30, 40, 50, 60, and have to hit rock bottom and have addictions. And I mean, those are definitely testimonies. For sure. Um, but I think the earlier you can <laughs> let, let God get his hooks in you, as it were. Yeah. Um, that that kind of carries you. But another thing you said is just trying to be, someone said, I thought you were Christian. And uh, my take has always been the balance is important. You can do those things, but you need to be mindful of the secular and not let that be what's leading you because sure. um, it's tough especially today man it's just really tough because <laughs> i did that too we went through the motions we went to church on sunday and we did the sermon but i think what's different about your church is that there's something much more alive and i think because it's inbuilt with the christian college and there's just so much energy there and a lot of people work there, attend church there, and they're just always kind of saturated in it versus driving out to a church and, you know, in the suburbs with a suit and with your family once a week, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then groups, small groups, uh, talking, getting vulnerable, all that stuff I truly hate. <laughs> Hated. Uh, yeah. Um, not hate, but, you know, you know when, you, when you're kind of intro uh, or, or ambi, whatever. Um, I don't really care for those labels, but you, you, you kind of fight that. You fight fellowship. You fight invites. Um, so I've, that's one thing I've, I've learned going to small groups, just being with people who've been through stuff, man, and, and, and opening up and talking. When you see other people who have been through the same thing and they open up, then you're, you know, you kind of loosen up. But ultimately, it's about 100 percent. I mean, know, even my own therapist, other. like my therapist. Oh, you went to therapy? Yeah, of course. I'm a, I'm a pastor in Two areas essentially you gotta go mm-hmm. if you're a pastor or a leader you need to go to therapy gotta go to therapy it's it's just so healthy for you um even my therapist when i first met him he asked me this question that i'll never forget he was like so what do you have to know about me for you to be comfortable in doing this and i straight up was like i want to know your story i want to know your dirt yeah i don't want to i don't want the pretty version either i want like the dirt dirt that'll make me comfortable because i want to know that you're human as well yeah so he told me his story and i was just really impressed and i still still my therapist i know his dirt he knows my dirt and it's so healthy you know and yeah and then just being in that position just being a great listener um you know when you get to him he's a professional but the training and everything the years plus mixed with your own personal experience um i can imagine that's i've never done that though i've never gone to therapists um, it's great but it's good isn't it? <laughs> it's like you can confess all your sins yeah. you know, my like my guy's a christian so that's, that's also good. awesome and so it's like i can confess all my things that i don't like to talk about with anybody else i could just like lay them all out and be like i messed up here and he has no like judgment against me and it's just like it's real yeah pornography mm. So you've you've publicly mentioned that that was a struggle for you. Yeah. I, I would say that to search the ends of the earth, you can find one man who's not. I'm just keeping it real. No, 100%. Um, and so I've, my definition of that of late has been that it's the perfect weapon against the male mind in the modern world. Um, we have enough to deal with with the internet and everything, but that particular thing, because sexuality is so strong, you know, and men are, you know, so susceptible to 
those powerful urges and then you have a platform and technology that just puts it at your at the forefront to where you don't have to do any of the work <laughs> there's no approach there's no gentleman there's no um, asking someone out there's no foreplay but you reap all the benefits so what that does to your brain is is quite incredible um and you know there's been lots of studies and neuro you know neuroscientists and mm. things it's still they're not like it's a problem they're not saying it's a full-blown addiction still professionally which kind of blows my mind but it is it's, it um, is in a sense yeah i'm interested in in your journey away from that was it just an abrupt thing like like the other stuff or was it like no i'm gonna have to start putting things on my phone i'm gonna have to do this do that because i i guess naively assume that when one and this is something men struggle with who are with families and have kids i was like well surely once you have a wife and you have kids and you've got all that you wouldn't even have a desire for that and i do think that can be true but obviously people struggle yeah some women do mm -hmm. but just the way our minds as men are wired so um ultimately it does take discipline but yeah i'm interested in yeah um i was introduced to pornography when i was like 12 or 13 years old it just like most everyone's story it was at a friend's house uh, like like print or no, it was, oh, a, it was on a DVD. His oh, or, okay. No, 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 VHS. VHS. So his brother left the tape in the cassette player, and he had access to his brother's room. He's like, hey, come come watch something with me, and we turn it on. And I remember that day of, like, my purity kind of being taken from me because I didn't know what he was going to play, you know? I was just like, oh, cool, we're going to go watch something. He didn't give me any... Mm -hmm. He's just like, hey, there's this video. So he turns it on, I'm like... Uh, yeah, uh, processing. Yeah, you know, and so. Um, and it was it twelve? You said. Yeah, because then you're probably not even thinking about that stuff just no, yet. You know? Dude, I had no <laughs> idea what it was. I had no idea what it was, and yeah. so um, I was that kind of like started it, and then as any normal guy was like watching it in secret and really not and really not bringing it to the light. And, you know, as most men do, we talk around it about watching it, but we never say like, yeah, I watch pornography. It's just like, you know, looking at some stuff I shouldn't have been looking at and and not talking directly to it. And so um, I remember being married. And in our first year of marriage, I told Tasha, I was just like, yeah, hey, I'm struggling with this because it became a problem. Like it was the only thing that was on my mind. Like I was watching it in secret. Was that the first person you ever um, it was the first female I had ever told. Yeah, I never told. I told guy telling other guys. Every guy's like, oh yeah, everyone struggles with it. And then if they're not Christian, it's like, yeah, so what? You know, like who cares? Um, she was the first female that I ever told, and so I was just like, you know, I struggle with this, and it broke her heart. It broke her heart. Yeah, that's my take. Is that you know, not that women are like angelic and don't have their own issues, but like if you go into a relationship, especially something as important as as marriage, it's like. I don't want that, you know, yeah, <laughs> in my life, you know, I want there to be a, um, but again, just, we live in this time of technology and screens and I mean, it's especially with cell phones, you can just easily just slip into something, you know, easy. And I can't imagine going forward with this stuff getting even more powerful. So, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. There. No, you're good. You you're told good. her and then, yeah. And so I really, after that, we kind of, and it hurt her not because because for women the way they take it is there's something not enough about me that you don't like yeah. and she didn't understand at the time it's like there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with you it's this thing that i've had with me since i was 12. this is how i interpreted sex this is how i interpreted like oh maybe this is what sex and marriage would be like and things like that and and you get into marriage and you're like oh this is nothing like that because that's a performance that's a show yeah um and so i told her and i had to do the work and, I, and this happens a lot of the time in christian culture right we we go to the lord the lord redeems us he sets us free but we do none of the work afterwards to stay free you know what i mean like there are some instant there there's some people who've been instantly delivered from things which is great but that's the exception and so i realized that like okay god's delivered me from this it's not instant but i gotta put in the work and so the work was like finding men who can hold me accountable friends who i gave permission to ask the ugly questions you looking at porn and just keep it simple like when's the, did you look at porn this week 
right? Because I think we want to make it sound nice and sound cute. And it just needs to be like, were you looking at porn this week? Mm-hmm. When were you looking at it? Why were you looking at it? What did you get from it? Yeah. You know? And that's really direct. That gets uncomfortable real quick. And so a part of being delivered from it is also knowing like someone's going to ask me about this and it's going to be very uncomfortable if I say yes. Yeah. So let me just stay honest. Right. And so, um, and then to take it a step further, especially when I became a pastor, before I became a pastor, I was just like, no, I I didn't want to be another pastor caught in whatever kind of scandal. That's, I'm like, I'm not going to be that person. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to be that person. And so I was just like, you know what? Let me get blockers on my phone and on all of my electronics. You know, let me get rid of the app store because people put, can block a website. Yeah. But there's a way around it through the app store. So like even my app store is not on my phone. Okay. So if I want to download something, I have to go to Tasha and be like, hey, could you unlock it? And to mm-hmm. other people, that seems like a weak thing. But I'm like, I, don't, I feel so strong. I feel so strong. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and you share everything. You give her your passcode and all that stuff. Heck yeah. Yeah. What do I have to hide? And so, like, I download apps that way. But, yeah, it wasn't a instantaneous deliverance. It was, it's been a gradual just, like, I'm. that's no longer me. I don't yeah. identify with that. Now, if we're watching a show or movie and something pops up, like, we change it really quickly or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why I watch most shows that are, like, maybe not great. I watch it with my wife and be like, if anything crazy comes up, we're just turning it off. Yeah. And so, um, because I just... It's so easy to slip back into like the hiding and the lying and the distance. And so the only way I knew how to do that was like, you know what, let me cut out anything that would create distance. And so, yeah. And then your mind is kind of goes through a journey of reprogramming once you've done something for so long, the habit, the stuff you keep coming back to the same images, same scenes, you know, it's it's like rewriting code in your mind. That's something I've learned lately, just stepping away from all the technology internet stuff i normally do is you're like wow this is i remember a time before this stuff yeah and your body's like it's somewhat i mean it's, I, I do think that that balance will be uh, exacted <laughs> um, because that's just how how things work like you you will have to go through the hump yeah you will have to suffer but on the other side of that is the peace you know i'm so i'm sure that's where you arrived at and then yeah I don't know. Maybe you even felt felt closer to her. Um, yeah, we. So since I've been free from it, it's been. Um, I have limitations on all my electronics, but I don't see it as a limitation. I'm like, it's like it's like the fence that keeps the bad dogs out. It's the yoke. Yeah, hundred percent. Most people misinterpret that story as being the yoke being a hindrance on your neck, but it's actually. To guide keeps you, you disciplined, right? It keeps <laughs> yeah. you disciplined to be like, I gotta keep on going this way. And so yeah. I've experienced freedom and I've I've done the same thing with other men whom I disciple or I mentor, and I'm like, I'll ask them straight up. You you look at porn on your phone? Yeah. Do you have anything to stop you? No. Mm-hmm. And dude, working at in retail, especially for like a, a, a technology company, I've seen parents just pull the phone out the box and just give it to their kid. And I'm like, you are giving them access to literally any and everything. Yeah. But that's the culture. You just And then I just think about where this technology is going with AI and VR, you know, let's say 20, 30 years out, not even that, of course, much sooner. Yeah. To where even the moral stance on it will will shift. Yeah. Have you, I don't know if you've watched Black Mirror, but heard of black mirror yeah there's some crazy stuff in there which like the ones with the different episodes yeah it's yeah, about yeah. it's it's just a little further in the future but it's really crazy how how, how i saw the social media getting, one yeah. that episode dude yeah that one was wild so you know you'd be able to put on something and disappear into a different world and and do all the crazy stuff that your your animal nature wants and then put it away like it's nothing you know, how does that affect relationships in the real world? What will the real world even mean yeah. anymore? But I, I do think that there will always be balance. So we'll have hopefully the fall of these big companies that are that are getting too crazy and we'll have a more holistic 2.0 with our social media and our, yeah. our technology and stuff like that. But uh, Yeah, maybe, you know, that maybe they just keep pushing forward. And, uh, I don't think it's ever like you can rage against it, but it's just like, how do I offer hope within it? Yeah. Because I think so many times we want to rage against it. And it's just like, no, no. Like, how do I offer hope within it? Like, even with VR is like, there's churches that are just VR focused. 
you know? And I find that to be interesting and being like, oh, you're offering in a place that I could never be in. Yeah. And just growing up in the church, I, I would say that there was always kind of a going to youth group, going on trips and, you know, just being kids and doing good work, you know, doing mission work. And But you're your kids and and it seems to me that there's always been an imbalance like girls were always pushed to be very conservative and pure and then the guys the boys will be boys kind of thing yeah but i think we should both be held accountable for actions what's up now i got all girls yes i I pity the first young man that knocks on your door to ask uh eva (laughs) out for a date Uh, because he (laughs) going i can hear (laughs) come sit down on this couch I said, uh, Tasha, jokingly, will you start the kettle, please? Yeah, I jokingly say, I'm like, I'm going to put the Bible <laughs> and a gun on the table. Yeah. And be like, which piece do you want? Oh, I can give you a piece of Jesus. Piece. I can give you a piece of steel. Which yeah. one? Which one? Yeah, man. It's just, it's, 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 it's tough when you're young. And then the dating scene and all that. It's like you, you want to honor what's right, but you're also living in the modern world and you want to, you know, go out and, and do things. But I think some things never change. You know, the word doesn't change and common sense doesn't change. And yeah. well, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you did that. And I think that's a message for all, all mostly men Yeah, find out the, there. Find accountability. Yeah. I mean, past blockers and things like that. Hopefully there'll be a, a, a something inbuilt that's even more uh, filtered. Uh, yeah. Especially for the the first encounter which will be some kid who's 10 or something like that so i had a parent say this one time and i was just it was really interesting to me <clears throat> she was like i don't send my child to sleepovers because i'm not worried about what they're doing on his phone because i know what's on his phone i'm worried yeah. about what they're doing on their friend's phone when no one's right. around because their friend's phone may not carry the same yeah. boundaries that his phone carries and i was just like oh that's so true. It's never, even with my own kids or whatever, it's like, I'm never worried about their, in the future, I won't be worried about their phone because I know what's going to be on their phone. And even that industry as a whole, which is a multi-billion dollar, uh, I don't know the state of it right now. I, I would, I think I heard that it's maybe declining or, um, that's a whole nother issue. And you, and you think about those people and you pray about those people, those like thousands of girls who get into that, like, and they usually came from trauma or something, you yeah, know, it's 100%. like, you know, shame mixed in there and, and all sorts of stuff. So, and it's not just the professionals, it's people uploading their own personal things and mm-hmm. people are watching that and voyeurism and all that stuff. So it's a big subject. I, I would hope somehow, some way in, in the future, uh, people would come to their senses and, try to yeah. live higher lives but that's being um yeah i guess that you could call that classic naivete mm-hmm. new york versus memphis <laughs> let's do this <laughs> let's do it five questions yeah no. yeah for sure it's a shift obviously every city in this country is a different universe yeah and you've gotten on plane since of being a pastor and like visited different cities yeah yeah and they can all be big and be small and be mega they can have all the same kinds of things and but they're just something different the time flows different the people are definitely different yeah the vibe is um, definitely different so a decade and three in yeah uh, you believe in this city I love this city. I love this city. I've left. I've gone out west. I've gone to L.A., gone to New York, Chicago, Florida, done all that stuff because you just want to leave. And perspective is so powerful because uh, you come back and you see it for what it is, which can be really depressing. But then you're like, OK, I can be a change somehow. Yeah. Some way I can be a change here. I think you leave and you go back and you see the gems that Memphis really is. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I love like when I went to LA to get visit an apartment my brother, for four hundred thirty-two dollars right, a month. Exactly, exactly. When I went to visit my brother in LA, I was just like, "This is too much." <laughs> LA, yeah, he's spread in, out, disconnected. Yeah, he's yeah. in Culver City, and I was just like, "This is there's such a pomp, you know, in LA." And I'm like, "I like Memphis. I like Memphis more." Yeah, there's not a lot of pomp. There really isn't. I, I like. I love the fact that. I mean, I know we need to grow, and there's a lot of problems. But I like the fact that we have not plateaued like a lot of cities. Yeah. Nashville, Portland, Dallas, <laughs> Seattle. Especially Nashville. Especially Nashville. 
Atlanta gets a pass. They've been doing it since 96. So. Yeah. Uh, to where you have overdevelopment and overpriced, where you can't even live in your own town anymore, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then the people are just kind of shallow. But I don't feel that here. Still, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of cool things and trendy things and great arts and coffee and all that stuff. But it, you feel in some weird way, especially as a native, you feel the, the vibe of your city. And I don't feel that it's changed no. in any regard in that, in that kind of... Uh, pretension mm. pretentious area yeah definitely not definitely not like even now like when i go back to new york i'm just kind of like this is my home city but i love where i'm at i love Are memphis f- from brooklyn yeah i'm from brooklyn where uh, uh east flatbush east flatbush Boop. Yo. Boop, boop, boop. It's, it's <laughs> brooklyn yeah it's definitely changed but williamsburg not my brooklyn all that anymore. stuff i know i know it's, it's not every time i go back it's like some a stranger has moved in to my Brooklyn. Well, and it's more gentrified and more coffee spots. And I'm like, yeah, my hood is not my hood. Like we used to have professional thieves live next door to us, mm-hmm. and they would rob the Sears. They'd steal stuff from the Sears and they'd yeah. try to sell it to my family. And that's the that's the hood. That's the home I miss. I miss the grittiness of Brooklyn. Yeah, now it's, it's just, a panini shop with exactly. a slash espresso bar and a matcha bar. Or now they have laundromats now that are that are have uh, bars built into them, yes, so you can dude. look hip while your your stuff's drying. Uh, no, and so that's not my. It's not the I same mean, Brooklyn. I have I have my thoughts about gentrification. Uh, another thing which I have not seen tremendously in Memphis. A lot of people cry gentrification here, but I. I a lot of the stuff is just the environments were just sitting for decades, literally. 100%. So they weren't kicking anybody out. They're rebuilding. They're just trying to do the right thing. There's a lot of great organizations here that really listen to the community and they want to restore old buildings. Whereas down the road, they're building, you know, yeah. glass towers every week, that kind of thing. So um, I think it's a special city, man. It is. Um, I love Memphis. And I know you have big, organically it's happening, but you have large. Uh, vision for the church you want to get your own building eventually yeah i want to have our own building but i really and i know this is this will be a couple steps but i want to have our own community center i want to restore the church being the center of the community yep as far as and i believe i mean i played basketball for um 17 years um me and my brothers and my sister were actually getting inducted to our high school's hall of fame for athletics really so flying back yeah in april and so we're really stoked about that shout out to st edmunds thank you for being who you guys are and things like that Uh, you know what i thought about and i'm assuming you would want this as a court at the naturally indoor indoor basketball court and then your own private next you know like <laughs> no, no, no. And my own I've seen your plane. office. You have a little, uh, is it a little, yeah, a little basketball hoop in there? Yeah. And then you got a, is it a uh, ornamental baseball bat? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's Pioneer. Yeah. It's on Pioneer. Um, the gentleman who owns Homewood Bats is, uh, I'm friends with his, his son, his son-in-law and his daughter. And I went to go check out how bats are made, which is a very fantastic, interesting process. You would, you would love it. And yeah, so they have bats and like wooden cylinders right and then they put stick it in a machine and the machine cuts it down to shapes every every, almost he was saying every baseball player that comes through there has a different Mm -hmm. style bat and it's like very minimal differences and so we were in i was in there and he goes you like these i was like yeah man this is really awesome i was like how much does it cost to like get a bat made and he was telling me the cost and i was like oh wow this is like real deal yeah and he goes man pick out a bat and so i picked one out and he was just like do you want me to laser engrave it? And I was just like, Oh, yes. you told him. Wow, they did it right on the spot. Right on the spot. Laser engraved it right on the spot. I just had to send them the graphics. And so wow. laser engraved it right there. And uh, now I got a Homewood Pioneer Church baseball bat hanging on my wall. That's beautiful. Where's Homewood? Homewood. It's in uh, Indiana, Illinois. Okay. Illinois. That's fly. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's dope, as the kids say. Right. And uh, I would argue also that you are probably one of if not the best dressed pastor and, uh, <laughs> the way an old school pastor would be suit tie you yeah. are you bring it you come with um, and I know authenticity is your one of your mantras yeah um, so the shoes are always on point thanks man. I was never a big sneaker guy but um, again one of my dreams is to uh, 
walk into your your closet and see just like a, a glowing multi-shelf <laughs> looking like it's much less than that it's more like one light bulb pairs. they own rotation one i don't light wear one bulb. pair more than three times like well, I, I mean, growing up in New York, right? So this yeah. is a cultural thing. Growing up it in is. New York, and you know this, like they see what's on your feet and then they look at your face. And so naturally, I was always just like, what are those? Right, exactly. Naturally, now I'm like, I just want to feel comfortable in what I'm wearing. Now, I mean, you know, I don't wear anything extravagant. I, I like yeah. to keep it to like the basics, but the sneakers are not the basics. I mean, I've seen that blue, that one blue suit you have. You was it blue or gray? Yeah, I it was like remember. a navy blue. That's, that's like a that's like a Easter slash five fifty anniversary kind of exactly thing. But but I think that plays into authenticity, which is something you talk about. You know uh, that it's okay, you know, to look good and, and sound good and, and all that because you know that another thing you stress is stewardship. All okay. the stuff we have, all the cool things we have in the modern world is the modern version of uh, cattle on a thousand hills right i mean yeah, it's the same 100%. thing that's one of the biggest things that blows my mind is how people can get so caught up in their everything man their image and i guess even things like validation and attention is more of an internal emotional ethereal thing but material goods it's all just stuff man it's all stuff and and you know it's just um, to get attached to that to get attached to that is to not want to flex, you know, um, because yeah. there's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like if you have the same car, same shoes, everybody else on the block has, you're conforming. But on the other hand, if you don't have it, you're, you're not considered in the in-group. So, exactly. so, that, so that balance is, uh, is tough. I mean, I grew up in Memphis. You grew up in Brooklyn under different circumstances. Yeah. But I don't know if you could both technically call them the hood, but... Yeah. No, I mean that that what I just said I'm I'm assuming applies to both cities. Yeah, I mean that's meekness though, right? Like it's having it but not flexing it. And so I think as you know with our celebrity pastors as we're in the age of celebrity pastors, I think a lot of them have it and they flex it and it's just like, bro, you don't. There are some sneakers that for me I don't ever wear on Sunday cuz they're too loud. They're too loud. I remember Denzel's line from American Gangster always is like, the loudest one in the room is the weakest one. Exactly. Of course, I, I think that line had been in existence before that. But Yeah. Um, but these dudes don't want to hear about that. Man, they, they want to. Some of them do. We'll set one song, Sit Down, Be Humble. Yeah, by Kendrick. Yeah. Yeah. They love that song, but they hate that song. Man, there, there, <laughs> man, there are some celebrity passes where their outfit is louder than their preaching. Well, I do think that there's something about getting older. Yeah. As a man gets older, you just kind of naturally release things. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I think about like cats like Dr. Dre, look at him in his day. Look at him now. It's like mid 50s. It just he might wear a nice watch. All black. Nice suit. White air know, Infinitely more wealthy. <laughs> more power. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been attracted to that. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like, a, you know. A man's man, as they say, just just set an example, and uh, it seems so simple, man. Just live well, yeah. Dress right, talk right, love your family. I think I'm. I'm even getting back to simpler things when I dress. I'm learning like black and white t-shirts with anything. Just always look cool. Yeah, true. Yeah, white goes with anything. Black goes with anything. Um, families. How long have you been married? This year will be ten years in Congrats. September. Okay. Ten years married in September. Well, congrats. Thank you. Um, admittedly, I've always believed in it in my heart, and I want that, you know, and, and I think it'll be beautiful and real. And uh, it's just you, you see so many things, you know, statistics, and you see your friends, and you see one after, and it's like even people who are made for each other, so to speak. I know you don't like the complete me thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree 99%. I do. Well, in God, you complete each other. Maybe you can do a lot more when you join forces, but I see what you're saying. Don't depend on another human being Correct. for you to be uh, all, all of who you are. Exactly. Um, so I rejoice when I see long longevity because yeah. my parents were not, and I think so many did not, and, and you see it, and it's heartbreaking, um, especially when it happens when you're young and there's a divorce, so... I don't know how you did it, but I, I can assume you, you both are just on the same page and you, you cross a threshold and you, it seems now there's a list and like everything that you learn in those first two years, 
are adding up to go in this kind of, should I be with this person? Instead of turning each one of those things into something to love about that person and growing together. Yeah. And uh, you're in the game. I'm not. I'm just saying <laughs> these are things that I observed. So yeah. I'm sure you both had a moment where you were like, we're going to do this. Yeah, we almost got divorced our first year. Like we were like getting divorce papers and everything our first year of marriage. Um, it's not that we're, we've done it. It's just that we keep doing it. You know, we yeah. keep doing it. And um, we haven't arrived in any way at all. And we're still figuring out marriage. Like, I'm still learning her. I, learning your wife, learning your spouse is a perpetual thing. It'll never stop. The moment yeah. you stop is the moment that when you gets frustrated. It's learning how to reset expectations, you know? So I, the way I explain it is like this. Like, let's say when I first met Tasha, she liked strawberry ice cream, right? Yeah. Three years later, she may not like strawberry ice cream anymore. She may like chocolate ice cream. Yeah. But if in the three years, if I don't talk to her and find out, every time I buy her strawberry ice cream, she's going to get frustrated with me. She's going to be like, you don't know me. And it's like, what do you mean? You love strawberry. And she's like, no, I stopped liking strawberry yeah. after the first year. You just never stop asking me. Right. So it's really, it's always learning each other and being like, well, oh, I didn't know that you would change because humans are complex. Exactly. And that's something um, I was listening to a tech talk recently and, and he talks about you are different people at different ages. 100%. Um, and this can is definitely for people who have more of an age gap, like you can fall in love and he or she might, there's just going to be different. You have to have a strong enough bond, but it's really about that commitment yeah because you're making like say when you get married he said you're making a commitment that a stranger is going to have to keep in the future and that's why people have temptations or they stray or they divorce yeah it's kind of like getting a tattoo when you're 16 and then you're like 30 and you're like damn um <laughs> so the something has to override all of that yeah and I know it's God and that's the big easy answer, but um, I think the power of the commitment and the vowels um, is that it, it's a commitment. It's a promise. Yeah. And I like the uh, love the wife of your youth. Is that? Yeah. It's um, in Songs of Solomon. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, I love that because it's uh, it's an opportunity to grow with a person and remember her as she was and she remembers you as you were. And, not to get romantic or anything, no, but I, I think I believe in that stuff, and I think it's beautiful. And especially when you have children in the fray, you have to be very mindful about what 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 you, what happens between you and I is going to affect them. And you see, when people split, it's always like I guess, especially in the West, is no matter what happens between your father and I, you're, we're one hundred percent going to be there for you. Well, right. Why can't we have that be? No matter what happens, period. I'm equally committed to to the whole situation. Yeah. Again, that's someone from the outside who's not married. No, I mean, uh, for Tasha and I, we had to, when we talked, we had to really, um, because in our first couple of years of marriage, we would always throw a divorce out like it was an option. It's just like, do you want to get a divorce? Like, do you want to end this? And that was when we first started, you know? But then we got to the point where it's just like, both of us were like, well, we can't continue to be married and have this as an option. So it's either this is completely off the table or just let's just get a divorce. And so we decided like it's completely off the table. We're not yeah. going to bring it up in an argument. We're not going to bring it up. That's it's great. It's completely off the table. That you were that open and honest yeah. with each other about it. I can imagine forming the church helped too because that was kind of like a baby in and of itself. And you both kind of birthed it, right? By the time, well, by the time the church started, we were a little, so we got married in 2013 and the church started in 2017. And so we had some time to learn each other without yeah. trying to get a divorce. Learn, We learned how to argue better. We learned how to love better. We learned how to honestly let little, when you had, when you have kids, you learn how to let the little things go so quickly because really? you're just like, I'm so tired. I'm We're dealing with them. It, it is yeah. what it is, you know. Um, but we were, we were in a much healthier place in 2017 okay. than 2013. Awesome. Uh, evangelizing, being in the church, doing that in your everyday. And I know you do this because I see you walking around downtown. <laughs> just, I think that's the, the, the highest... Um, thing man it's just to let it permeate and go out into your this ties back we were talking about going to church once a week and going home and, and just doing whatever yeah but letting it live um that's something i always struggled with is because you've mentioned even if you're not actively you know evangelizing to someone 
or we tend to overdo it when we do, is they'll see enough in you. They'll see it. They'll see Jesus and just your actions. But admittedly, I've always kind of relied almost fully on that. Well, they'll just see by my demeanor. And then if they ask me, then I'll say, but I know at the end of the day, that's lazy. (laughs) Um, And I know everybody has different personalities. Some people are much more outgoing or or not. And, you know, um, how you approach people. So that's always been a struggle. uh, Or maybe I'm overthinking it to, to evangelize is to find that that balance again um to not be so coy but not be like over the top because we know what happens when you're like beating somebody over the head with something right the last thing or in anything in life the last thing they want to do is is listen um so and then inviting them to church is baked into the mix and that's another thing and i think you've touched on that too it's like if i could just get them in the door (laughs) Yeah, they need to hear hear this man. They need to hear. They need to listen to the. They need to to to, to soak it up, and then they'll be like, hmm. So I, I don't know. I guess guidance on that. Yeah, um, I never I never go out with the thought of I'm going to evangelize today. That's never my thought. It's always just finding God in the natural rhythms of life. And not yeah. trying to feel like I have to put on someone else to share Jesus with them, you know? And so I think sometimes as Christians, we feel like we have to like, all right, almost like we're getting ready to like, okay. I'm put gonna go on out. the full armor. Yeah, let me put on the full armor. Let me, um, I'm going to try, try and win souls for Christ today. And honestly, it's just like if we got out of the frame set, like we're door to door salesmen yeah. and just got into the mindset of like, I'm just going to be me. And whoever I talk to, if Jesus so happens to come up. I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell him who Jesus is to me. Yeah. One really cool point that a friend brought up in New York on the subway years ago, because there was, you know, you had the guys walking through the train with pamphlets, like all up in your face, being all (laughs) forceful. And then my friend was like, I would assume at this point in America, everybody's heard of Jesus. And I was like, dang, I didn't think about that. It's like, you don't have to like force, you know, there has to be a more elegant way to do this because yes. And that's New York, where you've got probably 50 different cultural religions 100%. sitting on one bench. Because the, considering that the country's founding, and, and uh, there's a lot more people in the, around the globe who may have not. Um, that's why I think missions and missionary work is so important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I like that you said that, because that's kind of how I feel about just letting it happen. Yeah. Versus that, that feeling of, oh, God, I'm going to try to bring this up. And, yeah. But I do think that you are guided God just guides you and what to say in the right moment. And then there's the whole other thing of just coincidences and parallels and, you know, things that happen in your path, which you see that all the time, right? Little things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you see me walking around, I see you walking around downtown, and it really is one of those, like, um, I mean, both of us may or may not have been grown up with like conversion like did you convert someone we have almost like you know how they have a sales ticker and sales like did you sell this many things and whatever mm-hmm. and a part of us have been trained as salesmen to be like did you have this many conversions did you lead this many people to christ and it was such a numbers thing and then i i got set free of that and i was just like i'm not going out to like get numbers i'm not looking to be jesus's number one salesman of the month and so I just walk and I find that people, if I'm, if you're talking to me, like, and same thing with you, if when Jesus is like so ingrained into your life, you can't help but bring him up as a solution at one point or another. You know what I mean? When someone's like, oh, well, how, how are you doing so well? It's just like, man, prayer, you know? And Jesus has just been good to me, so I'm good to others. That's true. Yeah, that reminds me of a text, a friend who's, um, I guess he kind of went to church as a kid, but he's... Yeah, a friend of mine in music, and he's always kind of stressed about things. And, you know, uh, he said, I'm having secular issues, dude. Like, I don't want to hear about that. And uh, something told me to respond. I've never seen a secular issue that didn't have a spiritual answer. So mm. I think somewhere he, some somewhere inside, he appreciated that. So That'll maybe, preach. Maybe he'll come through those doors one day. Love it. Get that amped up coffee y'all got going in there <laughs> yeah, coffee don't play man man some weeks it saves me because i'm like tired and i'm like oh god thank you for this does thank- it it gives you that energy yeah yeah for sure you have a mini fridge in your office i do <laughs> it's not filled with anything but water really? i find if i put anything you else in, the coffee there, in there nah i mean 
I, I, I go. You have a coffee dealer who happens to be across the hall from e- you. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So they're preparing students for all facets of the music business and what? Mostly worship. Yeah. Or all worship music, Well, I guess. Uh, for the Modern world, worship. really. Uh, yeah. Church work, outside the church. And there's several campuses? There's one. We've oh, come, they? Yeah, we're all down to Memphis campus now. Really? Yeah. How do they do that with space? Well, like we... numbers. We, we didn't own our buildings in either Chicago. Well, we owned the Chicago building, which was like a deal given to us, whatever. Um, but Dallas, we were like a satellite campus out there. Okay. And so we were just kind of like, you know what? Let's just bring it all in into yeah. the Memphis campus. Because Memphis, you just get a, uh, a more robust college experience on the Memphis campus because it started here. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of like, we're like, you know what? Let's bring it in. And that's what we did. Yeah. I remember when they opened. Was it 2015? Or was it before yeah, that? Yeah. So the school's been around since 20, for 23 years. 22, but in that years. building? In that building is 10 years old. Okay. I remember when they opened because they had like this big party and brought in some bands. And, and it's a really beautiful building too. It's a, the architecture. And I remember that building as a kid. It was a bank. Yeah, my mom worked around the corner across from the magnificent Steric building, which is just sitting there. But I hear hands are on it. Yeah. Local hands are on yes, it. Yes, they are. Thank Lord. And that's going to be uh, quite a beautiful thing when it comes back to life. Yeah. But I just think that starting your church within the sort of ecosystem of that existing organization is probably the best thing that could have happened and, and is happening no matter what steps you go from here and get in your own building or whatever. I think that there's an energy there. There's something that's uh, brought so many people together on that block. So thank God. Amen. Thank God. Thank you for what you're doing, man. Yeah, thank you. God bless you, man. Love you, man. Thank you for having me. Love you. Appreciate it. Thank you.